0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, February the 23rd, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1685, composer George Frederick Handel, he was born in what is now Germany. I love his music. He struggled a lot in life in his music career before he finally wrote this Handel's Messiah, a neat story. I mean, it's kind of a, a touching story about his life, and 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 all. We don't have time to get into it, but maybe some other time. But don't you love the Hallelujah chorus and the Messiah, the Lord God Omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah, boy, that moves me. I can't hear that, but when I'm deeply moved, I think most of us have that experience. Well, he was born today, 1685. Today, in 1822, Boston was granted a charter to incorporate as a city. Today, in 1836, the siege on the Alamo began in San Antonio, Texas. Today, in 1846, the Liberty Bell was told for the last time. They told it to mark George Washington's birthday. Today, in 1861, President-elect Abraham Lincoln, he arrived secretly in Washington to take office. There was... Um, pretty strong rumors out there and information that there were those planning an assassination of President-elect Abraham Lincoln as he went moved through Baltimore. So he, as the wise men of old did, he took another route. Today in 1903, President Theodore Roosevelt signed an agreement with Cuba to lease the area around Guantanamo Bay to the United States, Today, in 1942, the first shelling of the U.S. mainland during World War uh, II, it occurred as a Japanese submarine fired on an oil refinery near Santa Barbara, California. And today, in 2011, a major policy reversal, the Obama administration said it would no longer defend the constitutionality of the Defense of Marriage Act, a federal law banning recognition of same-sex marriage. Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, spent days after Obama made that announcement, he spent days saying, yes, I'm the one that pushed the president over the line. He's always believed that marriage should be between two males and two females, but I finally pushed him to come out publicly and say that because Obama had been saying, no, no, he, uh, nearer to election time, he'd been saying that he believes that marriage is only between a man and a woman. Once in office with Joe Biden as his strength of character. Obama said, no, no, we'll change all that. We'll redefine marriage. That's what's wrong in our culture today. There's too much of that and too little of what founded this nation. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 103, verse 2, 3, and 4, this is just for you and me today. From the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who giveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. That is the word of the Lord for you today. While the People's Convoy, the United States version of it, has just departed or is getting ready to depart from California as we speak this morning. They're on their way to Washington, D.C. to protest federal coronavirus mandates, among other things, and call for an end to President Joe Biden's emergency declaration and all of the mandates he's been throwing around the country. The convoy organizers, they say that it's going to be a peaceful transcontinental movement, some of the some of the org- there's several organizers and they're kind of, from what I can gather, scattered across the country. People are going to be joining this caravan, this convoy as it crosses the country. That's the plan at the moment. We're originating at 9 a.m. this morning on ACN, and then some of you are hearing this a little later. So unless something um, changes the plans, like uh, well anyway, you never know what the Biden administration is going to do. But anyway, the plan is that the people's convoy, let freedom freedom roll is their slogan. They're taking off from California, headed for Washington, D.C. today. And they say it will be a peaceful, peaceful journey. And they want to be peaceful when they are in Washington, D.C. Nancy Pelosi is saying she's considering putting up the fence all the way around the Capitol campus again fencing out the people from their capital and their elected leaders. I never thought I'd see the day. The organizers say that their whole movement is about defending freedom at a time when, I'm quoting them, our freedom is on the line and tyranny is closing in. This one uh, woman who's involved helping the man, she's married and has family, but she's not a truck driver but she's helping with the organization. She said the freedom to choose is what our country is founded on, what our military has fought for and died for and bled for and sacrificed everything. The blue-collar boys have historically always been the first to jump in and defend our freedom, the organizers say. Well, they're doing it again. We knew it was coming here. It's coming. We'll keep you posted on this see what happens there's one group that's going to be joining this their leadership says that they have planned for uh, somewhere uh, around the white house legally they have planned they're going to have some christian bands and some preachers at their protest they're just going to be singing and praising the lord and preaching we'll we'll see how, we'll keep you posted we'll see how that all works out but i hope they they do that and i hope they're able to do it and i hope they do it loudly and longly We need worship music to God, and we need preachers telling the truth. And so uh, we'll look forward to it. I like to be a part of that, actually, but I'm not. But I will be in spirit. Portland Public Schools are projecting continued enrollment declines, says Oregon Public Broadcasting. The district predicts an 8% decline in students next year. They say that's going to impact staffing levels. Oregon's largest district is in the midst of getting substantially smaller. Public broadcasting is saying Portland public school officials are projecting a two-year drop in enrollment of nearly 7,000 students. The equivalent of, of losing three large high schools worth of students. That projects, PBS says, that projects about a loss of 3,400 students next school year for just the Portland School District, resulting in potential staffing cuts due to continued decline. According to the data, the district already has lost 3,436 students. Statewide enrollment has dropped 30,000 students in Oregon. The state's enrollment count is down from 582,000 661 to 553. Similar situation in Washington State, both the Seattle Times and the Spokesman Review, perhaps your newspaper in Tri-Cities, Yakima, wherever, carried this story as well, but I noticed it in both the Seattle Times and the Spokesman Review. The headline reads, as Washington State public schools lost students during the pandemic, homeschooled population has boomed. The story is, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the story, but the story is, quote, in the wake of pandemic school closures, school districts in Washington state saw their enrollments decline by tens of thousands of students. The statewide drop, they're calculating between the fall of 2019 and the fall of 2020 was among the largest in the country. New state data from this fall shows that School systems have not recovered from their losses, leaving open the questions about when and if these students will return. The Seattle Times spokesman and the Spokesman Review say between October 2019 and October 2020, 39,000 fewer students enrolled in public school. It's a 3.5% drop. The numbers weren't distributed evenly across all grades. Most pronounced losses were among the younger students number of kindergarten students. It plummeted, kindergarten plummeted fourteen percent. By this fall, just this past fall, that we're just getting through, running and winter running toward spring, hopefully, the state's enrollment had only grown by a thousand students. It's not coming back. It's not recovering. The drop in enrollment is bad news for the public schools financially. The article says, collectively, school districts will lose about $500 million in state funding in the next budget, according to the state superintendent, Chris Reichel. He's already signaled that he will ask state lawmakers to hold funds steady for the districts, which receive dollars based on the size of their rosters. We all know that. Public education is in a state of confusion. And I want to talk to you specifically about that today because I think it's important. It's rocking the nation. And it's not just about some in the media. Some of the media is trying to be fair with this, surprisingly so. But some in the media simply are trying to say, wow, we're all victims of this coronavirus. Not actually. That certainly has played a major part in what I want to talk to you about today. But I will tell you, there's more to it than that. And I I will validate what I want to talk about today. It's not just me that thinks that. There are others who have more information and bigger staffs than we have. I'll tell you for sure. Our staff we don't. Have, I am the staff but for the mo- <clears throat> for the most part. And uh, as far as those kinds of things go, but I want to talk to you a little bit about about school and about. Uh, about what's happening in public education today. I I feel a real burden in my heart to talk about this publicly to whomever is listening. And um, we should give it some very serious consideration. I want to take a moment to thank you for your support. We need it. I know every ministry on the radio needs support. And some of them spend a great deal of time that they're on the air asking for it. Uh, We won't do that simply because if we get to that point, then I would assume that God wants me to go play golf and or whatever. So I'm just thanking you for your support and asking you to be sure to stand with us if you believe in what we're doing. And many of you do. We need your support each month. You are the sole support of this ministry. It wouldn't be here without you. I wouldn't be here without you. We wouldn't be having this conversation. So thank you so much. If you haven't supported this, but you feel what we're doing is worthwhile and helpful, please consider it. Pray about it. Our address is box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, 98009. Or you can contribute on our website, faithandfreedom.us. faithandfreedom.us. US. The National Association of Secondary School Principals, NASSP, they're calling it a mass exodus. Those are their words. Their surveys are showing time after time after time that as many as 4 in 10 school leaders, principals, are leaving education within the next 36 months. Some of them may even leave sooner. More than 33% plan to leave public education altogether. They don't want anything to do with it. They're out. They spent their life, they've taken on probably debt to get their, at least a master's, if not a doctorate degree, but they're walking away. 62% say they will leave public education. I'm talking about administrators, principals in particular. 62% say they will leave public education within the next six years. They're in the process of figuring out how to get out. Parents coast to coast are fighting school districts on everything from critical race theory to mask mandates to obscene textbooks to parental authority. And masses of parents are looking for alternatives to public education for their children. I gave you a look at what's happening in Oregon and Washington, but it's happening all across the country. It isn't just here in the ungodly secular Northwest where we live. Masses of parents across the country Abraham Lincoln once said, The philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. The philosophy of Woodstock has become the philosophy of Washington, D.C., and it has become the philosophy of our government-run schools. When Founding Father Noah Webster created a school system so everybody could get educated. What he had in mind and what he created that we know as public education today was profoundly different than what we see playing out in our country today. He made statements like, we could educate the children just based on the Bible as a textbook because of its, its historical value, its moral value, and so on. We're a million miles from that today, and that's why we're collapsing before our very eyes. We're imploding. American education... I don't think can recover. I really don't. There's too many tenured people running it and too many liberal far-left progressives in political office. And they're not going to change. They're going to ride this sucker clear into the pit. The far-left policies of our current government regarding masks and mandates, ironically, is cannibalizing the very education that they've created that isn't education, it's indoctrination. As I stand and watch this, and I pay a lot of attention to it, these far-left policies are what are destroying education that they have worked so hard to create and to smuggle into our public schools. Critical race theory, sex education that's basically run by the gay movement with Planned Parenthood, They have a couple of their fingers in the in the pie as well, but these principals are leaving schools. There's a website. It's called the 74, like seven four. It begins an article. There's an article in there about this, and uh, it's mostly read. I think it's mostly read by people in education, although it's for you know whomever. It's public, but uh, it's called the 74, and it begins with a story about a Washington State principal. Let me share a part of what they write. Some of you, you know, may know him. I don't know, but he's he's from the Meridian School District. But anyway, as Derek Forbes, this is the story in the 74th, it's a national or international website. As Derek Forbes began his third pandemic year as a high school principal in Washington State, he was facing an uptick in disruptive behavior. Kids talking back to teachers, getting into disagreements with their peers, Perhaps he thought young people had lost some maturing time in pandemic isolation since the behavior was more typical of younger students, or maybe like him, they were exhausted. The mental health positions he'd posted stayed vacant for a fifth month. He and his principal colleagues in the Meridian School District were now logging upwards of 60 hours a week, taking on, well, (laughs) that, that somehow doesn't impact me, I know about 60, but anyway, I guess that's a big deal to educators. But anyway, they were now logging upwards of 60 hours a week, taking on responsibilities of counselors, nurses, subbing as teachers, and food service workers, all while being verbally attacked at local school board meetings over curricula and mask guidelines. Now, keep in mind, this is not a conservative, not a Christian for sure, but not a conservative website. So they're feeling the pressure because parents are objecting to curriculum and mass guidelines and all the other nonsense that has pervaded and does pervade public education. He said, this Derek Forbes, he said, my students aren't learning the way I want them to. They're dealing with their own mental health issues, so I can't help them uh, with my staff is struggling with those same things. And more and more stuff just continues to pile on. He said in this article, for the first time in his 22-year education a career, a depleted Forbes has thought about leaving the job he loves. They quote him, I always thought that I would always stay in education. I have no doubt that I will continue, but I thought about what else might be out there, and I never thought I would say that. His experience, they say, is hardly rare. Across the country, many principals are preparing to leave the field altogether. Now, there's more, but that's the end of quote. He notes in this that the disruption of regular classes due to mandated policies regarding COVID-19 is the root cause of mental issues and class disruptions by students in the classes that he is principal of. That's probably true. But let us not forget or be misled. It is the obsession for power, the lack of leadership ability, and the general dysfunction of our current government leadership that has put these destructive COVID policies in place. That's being lost in this translation. NASSP, the CEO, this Ron uh, Nozo, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, he said in a report that principals are saying, man, you know, I'm not, I'm quoting him, He's quoting them, man, you know, I'm not ready to die. I'm not dying yet, but this thing is killing me. Really, it scares me. It's killing me. (laughs) Other principals are emphasizing the fact that they're getting beat up by parents at these school board meetings. Well, they are because of the direction that the public education has gone. I feel sorry for them, but I mean, they could fix that or they could lead in fixing it if they would say, let's educate, let's stop indoctrinating. But that hasn't happened. I don't believe it's going to happen. I think public education is going to have to go much further down. And by that time, can it be saved? I don't know. But that's where we are. But they say others say they're sick and tired of the long hours in the evening making calls and communications about the latest pandemic guidance to families. Again, I would say, uh, friends in education, next time you cast your ballot, Don't cast it for Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or whomever. Parents are angry about several things now, and I understand these leaders are are taking it. I mean, I know that. I'm kind of glad they are because where else can the parents speak to the issue than the school board meeting? Yes, parents are very upset. No, they're angry. (laughs) They're not upset about a number of things. COVID has disrupted everybody's lives, certainly parents and their kids and the school they attend. But it's more than that. Public education has become a center for indoctrination, not education. Education is not primary. It is in the minds of teachers. There are wonderful teachers across this nation in public schools. I understand that. I know some of them. In fact, a lot of them. Everybody knows that. But public education is not the institution that educated today's children's grandparents. It's Woodstock personified. It's not not only the conservatives and the Christians that are pulling their kids from public education, although they are in mass. It's also those who do not profess faith, are left and liberal leaning in their worldview. A headline reads, Parents are fighting back a sexually explicit context Uh, content spreads coast-to-coast in public schools. They won't leave our kids alone. They won't teach them math. They want to teach them sex. They're obsessed with this. They're obsessed with it because they have perverts guiding a lot of the curriculum. That needs to be said, and I'm sorry that I said it, but I must say it. This isn't about freedom and choice regarding sexual behavior. It's about perversion. If you believe the Bible, ironically, parents who first turned their attention toward their local public school because of the COVID mandates have now become aware of how deeply critical race theory and all of these other things are embedded in their children's education. We've been talking about it on this program for some time. I have been talking about it as a pastor for years. We have some of some of my old tapes from way back, and Marjorie, Marjorie and I were talking about it a few days ago. She said, man, you've been talking about this for a long." I, I mean, my all my sermons weren't about issues, but issues were always a part of our preaching. Because if the gospel doesn't change the lives of people and ultimately change the culture, then we're not preaching the gospel Because that's what the gospel does. It changes people. It restores people. It forgives. The idea that we can just somehow think our way out of this is ludicrous. That's what Satan would like even Christians to believe, that we should be quiet. We shouldn't really address these things. After all, we want to be good citizens and all that. Well, we're good citizens by addressing these things biblically. So we've tried to do that over the years, and I've been, I've made a few enemies, to be honest with you, but over that, but a lot of other people have identified with it and thanked us for saying so out loud. But the content that they're referring to is sexually explicit books like Gender Queer. They, Gender Queer, this book, was a recipient of the American Library Award a couple of years ago. This author, uh, Maya Colby, uh, during an interview, describes her book as a story of my own life about coming out as queer and non-binary and asexual. The story contains graphic text illustrations depicting men having intercourse, children engaged in sexual acts, pedophilia, sexual fantasies of hers, and she was 14 years old when she wrote the book. And, and to this day, and it's been out there a couple of years, to this day, adults In education are praising her and almost worshiping her for this wonderful work that is so helpful and blah 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 this Natasha Grover she's been a public school mom for she has three kids she says they're basically they basically want to normalize the abnormal right any idea of sexual boundaries any right and wrong morality they want knocked down she's pulled her three kids out of their local public school she doesn't even profess to be a Christian She just says, this is nonsense, my kids aren't going, we're out. Sadly, the resistance to removing these books from public education, from the libraries, is very strong. Democrat elected officials in a number of states, and I don't have time to get into it, but they're voting to keep these books available in local schools. Human rights campaign, the largest homosexual advocacy organization in the country, the LGBTQ community, they're demanding these books stay in the system and these weak leaders in education afraid they're going to lose their job. They're losing money by the truckload. They say, okay, yes, oh, of course. We want to be inclusive. Man, we're off our, we've lost it. This is not an isolated instance more child pornography is coming. BBC, BBC in, in England has created this whole course and it's they're rolling it out as I speak in English schools in London and elsewhere. And they say it's coming, British Broadcasting Corporation, they're bringing it, they're bringing it to America. It's that we have at least a hundred genders. It isn't just male and female and all that nonsense. You've heard it before. The guidance in this book and then this material, this particular material, it's coming soon to a school near you. It's explicit. There's a video. I wrote an article about it. You can see it on our Faith and Freedom website. But it's amazing. Youth suicide statistics have soared in recent years. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for ages 10 to 24. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for college age youth. More teenagers die from suicide than cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, and pneumonia combined. Well, there's more to say. I'm out of time, but we will continue tomorrow. I'll see you then.